You are Locked On Horn Frogs. Your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Horn Frogs, your daily TCU podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Simcox. Gonna start with some TCU baseball talk, and then uh, I'll let you hear some of my interview on local radio station today, just kind of running the gamut on some TCU athletics. But TCU baseball, last weekend of the season coming up. Now they're done with Big 12 play. They swept Kansas over the weekend. So they finished with a record of 16 and 8. They faced Santa Clara this weekend in a non conference series. They canceled their game with uh, Tarleton, their midweek game with Tarleton. And that was. An RPI cancellation. Um, if you don't like it, I understand it, but essentially TCU didn't really have much to gain by playing that game. If they somehow lost that game, it was going to be a big issue RPI-wise. And so they decided, you know what, we're not going to play. We'll just get ready for this weekend series with Santa Clara. And so the Broncos will come in. They'll play three games against them Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Big 12 series will be Thursday, Friday, Saturday this weekend. And here's what needs to happen for TCU to win a Big 12 title. Um, right now, Texas Tech is in the lead. They have seven losses. TCU has eight. Oklahoma State has eight. Tech swept Oklahoma State over the weekend. So Tech needs to lose twice to Oklahoma. Tech needs to lose twice to Oklahoma. And Oklahoma State needs to drop one game to Baylor. If that happens, TCU will be the outright Big 12 champion. Now, if Texas Tech drops a game to Oklahoma then TCU could get a share of the title. We get a share of the title. Um, if Tech drops two and Oklahoma State sweeps Baylor, TCU would get a share of the title. So basically, share of the title is probably most likely. Um, Need OU to at least win one game in Lubbock against a red-hot Texas Tech team that's coming off a big series victory. So keep tabs on that throughout the weekend. We'll see what happens. As far as, you know, big picture, what happened – Obviously, Kansas was overmatched. Frogs scored 30 runs on Saturday in that series. Um, I don't think we really learned much at all about the pitching staff this weekend, with the exception of Riley Cornelio pitched on Sunday, and he was effective. And so I don't know what the plan will be for him moving forward. I mean, obviously, I think the plan is going to be for him to be a starter. But they started him on Sunday – so now, can he come back and pitch on Saturday this weekend? And then will he be available at some point in the Big 12 tournament? Um, so I think Riley is going to be a starter. I feel like Marcelo Perez, he pitched well against KU. So he will stay in that starting role as well. And then your third guy, I don't know. They tried River Ridings out as an opener on Friday night, and it didn't work. He got through one inning, and then the second inning – Things kind of imploded on him. And then they brought in Cam Brown, and Cam Brown's effective again. For whatever reason, they don't really like Cam Brown to start games, though. <clears throat> and I know he struggled with that earlier in the year. But it seems like they want to have some sort of opener for him. So I think Cam Brown's going to be your long relief guy. I just don't know if they'll actually let him start a game in the postseason. Austin Krobe continues to get some opportunities. He was good against Kansas on Friday night in the ninth inning. Um, He struggled on Sunday and had to be pulled. So 
he he doesn't look at all ready to start. I think he's probably going to be a bullpen guy. I just don't know what situations you use him in because they have, they really haven't used him in a high leverage situation since the Florida State series. Well, I guess they did in that Tuesday game against um, Incarnate Word, but it's been mainly it's been mainly in the ninth inning, which is kind of wild to me that he's going to be a back end of the bullpen guy, even though he has electric stuff. Um, so we'll see what his role is going to be moving forward. But he got some opportunities in that KU series. One went well. One didn't go very well. Um, so I don't think Austin Krobe is going to be starting the rest of the year. That's just my that's just my guess. Uh, Brett Walker did not pitch this past weekend. And, of course, he was a starter for most of the year. And then they moved him to the bullpen. So not sure what. The plan is moving forward in that scenario. But I think Riley Cornelio being effective is the biggest encouraging sign from the Kansas series. Because if he can come in and give you good innings as a starter, then everything kind of falls into place. Um, Or everything falls into place more easily. It's not like you're suddenly going to have an amazing second or third starter. But I like Cornelio and then Cam Brown and Marcelo Perez, that combination – I could see at least giving you a chance to get out of a regional. Will they host? I don't think so. I mean, I feel like if they end up winning the Big 12 outright, which obviously they're not going to do anything themselves to get that done this weekend, but other teams could help them out. If they win the Big 12 outright, I really see it. I think it's hard to imagine they wouldn't host. Um, if they get a share of the title, or obviously if they finish second, I don't think it's going to happen. And you know what? That's fine. Go on the road and find a way to get it done. It'd be nice to host, but, you know, get in the mix and let's see what happens. Um, They've been hot and cold all season, inconsistent. We don't know what we're going to get from them until they hit the field, but they have some weapons. Porter Brown was really effective again, and uh, I think he needs to be in the lineup every day. That's That's just my opinion. We'll see if TT ends up doing that, but they have some options as they head towards postseason play. This is Locked on Horn Frogs, your daily TCU podcast. When we come back, we'll have more coverage of TCU athletics. Locked on Horn Frogs, your team every day. Basketball game here and there. Yeah, in, in final thought, we'll move on. But, you know, with the league as big as it is in the SEC, they, they are able to get at least a couple of live play-by-plays uh, on, on football as well as their their over the air stuff with with ESPN and, and ABC, but anyway, uh, talk. Let's talk some baseball. TCU now in first place in the Big Twelve Conference, uh, sitting there at sixteen and eight in the league, thirty two and eighteen overall. This has been a crazy, crazy season for Big Twelve baseball. Uh, I want to get your thoughts on where the frogs are right now, and talk to us a little bit about the cancellation with Tarleton. What was that about? Well, so uh, the cancellation is all about RPI. And this is something that Jim Sloshnagel did through the years. Uh, He actually did it at Texas A&M this year. I think they canceled the game with Incarnate Word. But um, essentially, like, I guess it's a risk-reward thing. If you somehow lose to Tarleton, then your RPI is going to drop pretty significantly. Even if you win, there's not much movement. And we're seeing this in college baseball I wouldn't say it's like an epidemic or anything, but we've seen a number of midweek games midweek games canceled. Um, and I don't really know what the solution is. I, I've heard people like Kendall Rogers, who is kind of the authority on college baseball, covers for D1. He thinks the NCAA needs to step in and come up with some sort of solution. 
I mean, my thought on it is there's so many non-conference games throughout the season in baseball. It's not a huge deal to me if, you know, one at the end of the year gets canceled. Now, is it a bad look? Yeah. I mean, it's not, it's not the best look in the world. When there's no, there's no impending weather, I mean, classes are over. There's no reason why you cancel that game except for the fact of, hey, we don't want to lose and, you know, hurt our chance at hosting or hurt a chance of getting a good seed. Um, so I'm not sure what the ultimate solution is. I, I guess coaches could not schedule games this late in the year. But, I mean, you look at a team like Baylor, um, they're trying. I mean, I don't think that win over SFA really helped their resume a lot last night, but they're trying to stack up as many wins as they can to give themselves a chance uh, at the end of the year, give themselves some, min- some momentum going into the Big 12 tournament at the very least. So you never know really where your team is going to be at that point in the season. But, um, yeah, it's just uh, – an RPI cancellation. And as far as where they're at, I mean, they're in a pretty good place. Like they swept Kansas. Um, man, that KU pitching staff really struggled. I know they have all year, but uh, TCU put 30 runs up on them on Saturday, which was insane. And so now they just sit and wait. You know, Texas Tech swept OSU, which was really surprising to me, even as good as Tech has been this year. Um, so they're hoping that Oklahoma can steal a game from Texas Tech. They're hoping that Baylor can steal a game from Oklahoma State and that they'll at least get a share of the Big 12 title. But they're playing Santa Clara starting on Thursday, so I'll be a Thursday, Friday, Saturday series. And I imagine that Kurt Starloose and the guys will be pretty uh, pretty focused. They might have their phones out looking at that scoreboard, checking those scores, seeing how everyone else is doing. But for the last weekend of the season, they're in a pretty good spot. I mean, they just get to play a non-conference series and kind of watch the chaos unfold um, between Texas Tech and Oklahoma State in their respective series. Stephen, what were a couple of the biggest questions answered in spring football for son, for uh, Coach Dykes and that staff? Yeah, I think they uh, sort of solidified that defensive line a little bit. Um, you know, it looks like a guy like Dominic Williams, who's a freshman, is going to step in and be an impact player immediately. They also brought in a few transfers they're trying to work in. Um, Dylan Horton, one of those defensive ends, had a good season. They, they got to find a way to replace the production of O'Shawn Mathis and Kyrie Coleman, who hit the portal and the offseason. I feel like offensively, um, you know, Gunnar Henderson was a player that emerged as one of those wide receivers that's going to be behind Quentin Johnson, uh, someone who could maybe make an impact in the slot. I feel like they have a lot of depth at their skill positions. Quarterback did not get answered, but I I think the thing that's clear is that they're going to roll with somebody in the room. Um, So it's going to be either Chandler Morris or Max Duggan, but they didn't bring anyone else in. So uh, it's going to be someone in-house that does it. And I, I think those were the, the big questions, you know, there's a new energy. There's kind of a new intensity um, with a fresh face and sunny dykes. And I feel like a, a lot of those questions ultimately obviously won't be answered until they hit the field in September against Colorado. But uh, I do see some clarity and it seems like they're moving in, in the right direction at the moment. Well, I mean, it was a big day for sunny dykes yesterday. You land four star Cordell Russell from North Mesquite, the rod receiver, Man, I, I've watched him play a few times in camps and stuff. He's he can make any catch. He's he's elite. What were your thoughts on being able to get that guy to come uh, come on campus? Yeah, he looks like a grown man, Garrett. Like he's 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 a specimen. I've seen him in some camps too, and um, he's already got a, a really good frame. I think it's significant. You know, the biggest deal about landing Cordell, he committed to TCU uh, when the new staff came over. And then he decommitted and sort of opened up his recruitment again, and they're able to land him one more time. So, one, I guess that makes you think, well, is he going to decommit again? We'll see what happens. There's still a lot of time before signing day. But 
I think the good news is Cordell is one of those players that a lot of people thought, oh, well, he's just coming to TCU because Rashad Samples moved over to Fort Worth because Coach Samples was big and getting Russell, um, you know, getting guys like Chance Biddle, who's on campus right now. There were a few others from that uh, Dallas area that had committed to SMU and just sort of moved their commitment over to TCU when the staff changeover happened. But um, now, of course, Rashad's gone to the NFL in L.A., and Cordell Russell is still on board. Uh, so it's it's good for the perception of the program. I think it's also just good they they're finally starting to fill out this 2023 class. You know, Garrett, we talked a couple weeks ago about how, just how small it is, and it's still small compared to a lot of uh, teams in the Big 12, but they're at least starting to rack up some commits, and it seems like some momentum is getting built. And uh, I know you know covering recruiting, a lot of times these commitments kind of happen in bunches. If you need players that are already on board to sort of recruit the guys that are making decisions. So hopefully Cordell Russell can be uh, beneficial in that regard too. But yeah, he's the headliner of this class now. And so they finally landed somebody who kind of, um, you know, you can point to and say, this is somebody that a lot of teams wanted and NTC was able to go get him. Stephen, we're bouncing you all over the place. Sorry about that. But we're going to take you back to baseball for just a second. Uh, the uh, Big 12 postseason tournament, the Phillips 66 Big 12 postseason tournament, it's been played in Arlington a couple of times. It's been played in, in Tulsa once. But for the most part, it, is, it has been in Oklahoma City for for pretty much the, the entirety of the Big 12 conference. However, this year it is back in Arlington. Uh, do you like the idea of moving the tournament around and, and letting different parts of the conference host that uh, that event? I mean, selfishly, I'm excited about it being in Arlington just because I'm going to go up there for a couple of days. It's going to be a fun atmosphere. I know playing that big league park will be a good experience for all of those guys. Uh, but, yeah, I'm okay with moving around. Oklahoma City was a great venue. It did a great job hosting that tournament for a long time. I think there's, uh, you know, a lot of special things about that ballpark, and there's so much history there. Uh, and, and we'll see. I, I mean, I would imagine – you know, Arlington's really convenient um, just from a like kind of lodging perspective. The facilities are going to be great. We'll see what kind of hospitality the Rangers have. But uh, I would be cool with, with bouncing it around. I think OKC has been there for so long. They deserve to get another crack at it. But, man, it really feels like, you know, these, these college sports um, programs and venues, they, they really like the idea of playing in these these pro arenas. That That's the case. And, you know, I know Globe Life has kind of dipped their toe in the water in college baseball with that opening season tournament they do, and then they had a couple just random series this year um, between different teams. So it feels like they're trying to be more welcoming to uh, to college baseball and, and those teams as they open up the new ballpark. 